Amen. What a great song. Sung by great church people. Samuel chapter number 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Well, if you blew all your New Year's resolutions yet or not. <laughs> Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Oh, let's read a little bit of the chapter. Once you find it, I'll have you stand again. 1 Samuel chapter 25, great chapter. They're all great chapters. The more I hang around in the book of 1 Samuel, man, it's just uh, the richer it gets. Very full, very filling. Amen. Kind of like if you sit at the dinner table and your parents don't make you quit eating, you just kind of keep nibbling <laughs> until it's all gone. Uh, verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 25, the Bible says, And Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish, and evil in his doings, he was of the house of Caleb. That, uh, that word churlish, that's uh, hard, harsh, sharp, uh, surly. Sarcastic. The guy's a jerk, is what he is. You find out the more you read the Bible. But the King James translates it, and they nailed it. It's churlish and evil in his doings. He was the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace, both, uh, peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there, th uh, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants, and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread, and my water, and my flesh, that I have killed for my shears, and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men. And 200 abode by the stuff. Man, what a chapter we have in front of us. Now, David's about ready to grab a gear that if I was a friend of David's, I would not want to be on the receiving side of that gear. 
Eris seems to be a sweet, loving, kind, majestic, royal uh, personnel that David has, but he has a gear that if he's got to grab it, uh, it'll take out a nine-foot giant just like that. And what you see here is David's just, about, he's had it. He's had it with this fellow named Nabal, and he's about ready to go after his own brethren here. Well, let's pray. Dad, why don't you pray and ask the Lord for help? Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now here in chapter 25, uh, it starts off uh, lamentably so with the death of Samuel. And you see in the chapter here where they gather around, they lament him. And the more I read about the death of uh, great prophets and great preachers in the Bible, it's not a lot of fanfare. And it just kind of reminds me that, you know what? The fanfare is on the other side. It's not here. It's almost like some of these prophets and some of these preachers when they die, especially preachers around here, anywhere across anywhere, you just, they just forget about you real soon. You know what? That's what happens. Why? Because it's not about down here. It's about up there. And the grand fanfare and the grand party and all the rest, that's on the other side. Amen? And uh, you got to remember that as a Christian when, when you go, uh, you know, if in the light of however many, seven or eight billion people that are alive, uh, there's going to be more that don't know you even existed than did exist. Amen. But the fanfare is on the other side, and this thing begins with Samuel kicking off, and that's a sad thing, but no doubt, I'm sure uh, Samuel is glad to finally get a break <laughs> and get some rest. And uh, uh, as we just read, David and his men are in the wilderness of Paran, and they're hiding out. You know what they're doing? Just waiting on God. And that's the life of a Christian. Many times it's just being in the wilderness, waiting on God. You say, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just waiting on God. And you know what? A waiting on God doesn't mean you sit around with your thumb in your ear. You know what I mean? Uh, waiting on God means you're doing, you're getting up, you're doing the routine duty that you know you're supposed to do every single day. And you're just being who you know God wants you to be, but you're just kind of in the wilderness. You're waiting on God, and that's what David's doing. And, uh, and uh, David takes some of the young men here. I notice this. He sends ten young men, some preaching before the preaching gets going here. But uh, that's interesting. He takes ten young men and sends them. It's good for young. I notice one thing here is uh, David's starting to track some young men. You know, he's gone from six or 400 to 600 now. So David's starting to track men. If you live for God, men, uh, I'll tell you what, you'll begin to track some men too, not in a goofy worldly fashion, but if, you're, if you've got enough guts to go out and fight the battle for Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord will put some men around you over time. And I notice he takes those ten young men and he sends them, he's like, I've got a mission for you. Uh, David, he didn't know it would go that way, but maybe he had an idea that it might. But it's good for those young men to get railed out and chewed out like they did. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right, young men? It's just good for you to get chewed out every once in a while. And you know, when uh, uh, my old man would just say this every once in a while, he'd say, well, it's just your turn. And doesn't it feel that way sometime in the Christian life? It's just your turn. 
you didn't necessarily do anything wrong that you knew of at the moment, but it's just your turn, and he used these ten men and sends them out. Boy, they get railed on. That's the Bible used that word, Nabal, railed on them. But anyways, he basically says uh, to Nabal through those young men, he says, look, we've helped you out by our presence, and they have, and I'm hoping you can help me out seeing that you're not, uh, you know, you're not hurting financially there. <laughs> you know, bless us if you can, you know. And uh, Nabal, he's a real jerk. And uh, matter of fact, and some of the brethren might not like this, I don't even care, he is like a number of Bible believers that I've known over the last 30 years and that they are narcissistic. They're hard, they're very harsh, they're sarcastic, and they pretend in the passage like David, his own brother in the Lord, is not anybody of importance. Now you've got to be careful, Bible believer, that you have become Nabal, the churl, the surly, sarcastic jerk. And you know what? Old Nabal, he's got it good. He does. He's got the truth. He's living in the land of Israel. He's prospered by it. And as Christians, you know, if we're not careful, we've got the truth. We've got it better than we deserve. And if we're not careful because we didn't have the idea, we won't think anything else is important. And you've got to watch that thing. And a lot, of, a lot of people are like Nabal. Nobody's important but him. So David, he's held back. Amen. In the last chapter, he's held back while he was in the cave, didn't he? He could have took Saul out, not like for dinner, but he could have took him off, you know, took care of him. And uh, his guys were like agony mon, and he cut part of his skirt off there. Uh, but he's held back, and he's uh, restrained himself. He even, in chapter 24, he restrained his own men. And Nabal rails on David's men when they come peaceably, and now David's had it. He's just, he's just had enough of this tomfoolery, and he's just going to get... I want you to notice here, uh, before we actually get into the thing... I was just going over the chapter one more time. Look in uh, verse number 13. The Bible says, And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. You say, yeah, that's kind of what you have to do when you go to battle. Amen. But notice that David and his men didn't walk around with their sword on all the time. You say, well, what's so important about that? Well, you've got to be careful. The more Bible you learn and the more the Lord reveals himself to you, after a while he'll give you that thorn to keep you humble. Amen? But you've got to make sure you don't walk around always with that sword hanging out of a sheath ready to gut somebody. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, then that's not for you yet. Amen? But I'll tell you what, I sure could have benefited from that a few years back. Amen? Always had the sword out, all ready to hack somebody's head off. But notice that the sword's not always out. Amen? You just got to know where it's at, and you got to make sure you're using it, and you're practicing it, and you're sharpening it offensively and defensively. Amen? I mean, what good is a sword if you don't know how to use it? What good is a firearm if you always keep it locked up in the box and you never go shoot it? <laughs> what are you looking at me that way for? <laughs> Everyone's got a couple guns they've never shot in their lifetime. I got a gun, you come in my... Yeah, you don't, you don't even know how to open the thing up. And, and if they do break in, you don't even have it loaded, <laughs> right? But if you got a sword, you ought at least know how to use it. You ought to keep it razor sharp, but you ought to keep it in the sheath. Amen? I just see here, that's free. That's, that's not even in my notes tonight, amen? And uh, David, he didn't walk around with a sword hanging out all the time. There's a time to gird on the sword, amen? And when you go into battle, you gird on the sword, but I want you to see here, 
uh, we've been studying the life of David, but this chapter, uh, it demands that we detour divinely. That was on-the-spot alliteration, amen? And so what happens here is David now prepares to destroy his own brethren. Notice he hasn't hurt his brethren yet, has he? The Lord's always delivered him from that place of hurting his own brethren. That's a great lesson for you and I. Uh, we should never try to hurt our own brethren. If it comes to battle with the brethren, walk away. Well, I don't want him to think I'm a chicken. I don't care, man. You ought to get out of that thing. You to, don't hurt the brethren. I mean, so, so what if they are dumb? You know, you don't have to prove that you're dumb too, amen? Uh, and the Lord's always delivered David from hurting his own brethren. But here it is. He's ready to grab the gear and guess who shows up? That's right. Abigail shows up. What a great chapter in the Bible. This is uh, Abigail. I'm getting ahead of myself, but she, she, pictures, uh, she's a, she is a picture. I know she's a woman. Don't, I'm not trying to preach false doctrine here. There's a couple places. She's like a type and picture of Jesus Christ in one place because she's a great intercessor between David and Nabal. Not only that, but she's a type and picture of the Holy Spirit in verses 28 to 30 because when she gets on her face, all she does is talk about is Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I'm sorry David. <laughs> you see how, how close that, that picture is related? Man, what a, great, what a great character to study in the Bible. And the thing that caught my attention about the chapter is not just the great story, and it is a great story. But the thing that caught my attention is the word haste. And I'm thinking, after about the fifth or sixth time, this chick's always in a hurry. <laughs> She's always in a hurry doing something. And now, of course, you know, Martha, she was always in a hurry, but that thing didn't end so great. So as David prepares to destroy his own brother and in steps Abigail, the wife of Nabal, and the entire storyline changes. And what Abigail does here uh, changes, I believe, the intended history. David intended for this thing to go one way. And Abigail steps up, and David later acknowledges that the Lord himself sent Abigail to be like a mediator. And he recognizes that uh, towards the, the three-quarter of the way through the chapter here. And Abigail's uh, in a hurry to say the least. So I just want to try to preach a little bit tonight. A message entitled, What You Hurry? What You Hurry? What You Hurry? And uh, I thought maybe I'd just get you to think for a second. What are you in a hurry about tonight? What are you in a hurry about as a Christian? Uh, as children, uh, many of us were told that haste makes waste. Of course, we were told that when we probably destroyed something or made a huge mess like dump a bag of pellets all over the floor or something like that, you know, or, but just, just made a mess somewhere. But uh, what's your hurry? You ever stop and think about what you're in such a hurry about? That's, a, that's a definitely a thought we're thinking of. Now, haste doesn't always make waste. Real quick, re introductorily here, uh, there are seven times in the Bible, there are probably more, but I saw seven that stood out, where haste brought about a negative result. So we'll establish the fact that haste can make problems, right? Uh, I mean, don't take an Einstein to figure that stuff out. But in Exodus 5.13, uh, I saw that haste caused worker relations to deteriorate. <laughs> and that has to do with, uh, you know, uh, Pharaoh not giving the children of Israel uh, straw. And uh, when they got, they got in a hurry, uh, uh, the worker relations deteriorated. They needed uh, some union, uh, you know, intercession there. In Joshua 8.14, I see that haste caused the city to burn and men to die. Remember when Joshua took the, 
uh, 30,000 men went all the way around the mulberry bush or the monkey chase the weasel and all that stuff. And, and the men of Ai went in haste and they left the city and they left the gate wide open. Well, they're in a hurry. Well, that day was the last day that they lived and saw the city because they burnt the city to the ground. So being in haste made that city burn and men to die. 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, a haste caused someone to become lame. You see, because when uh, Mephibosheth's nurse, nurse got in a hurry, she made haste and she dropped Mephibosheth. And she got in a hurry and someone became lame the rest of his life because someone got in a hurry. Well, here's another place, Psalm 116.11, haste caused someone to say something that wasn't 100% true. That was David. <laughs> David said, I said in my haste, all men are liars. <laughs> he said, but yeah, but the Bible says that uh, uh, God be true and every man a liar. Yeah, in that sense, yes. But you know what? Jesus Christ is a man. He wasn't a liar. How about the men that showed up in Genesis 18 and 19? Those men were angels, but the Bible calls them men. Those men weren't liars. You see what I mean? How about Judges chapter 6 and 7? Those men weren't liars. Uh, so I'm just saying, just by way of uh, introductory, like haste can cause you to say something that's not 100% true. You ever get in a hurry to, you know, cast judgment on something? I know we would never admit it. But you hear something, and because it fits your agenda, you believe it <laughs> without vetting it or checking it out. And you go ahead and say something and open your yap. Well, you said something that wasn't untrue because you didn't really verify it, you know. You get the fact checker out on it. Well, Proverbs 28.20. Haste caused someone to be guilty. Proverbs 28, 20, haste caused someone to be guilty. Isaiah 59, 7, we see that haste caused innocent blood to be shed. Now, this is just topical study. This isn't the message. This is just giving you a little, you know, like you're out there jigging for bass or something. You study this later, you know. But haste caused innocent blood to be shed. And in Mark 6, 25, haste caused a preacher to lose his head. <laughs> and that haste was that uh, Herodotus' daughter. And uh, said she went in haste and asked uh, the king for something. And you know what she asked for? John the Baptist had in a charger. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Would you wrap that for me, please? <laughs> but anyways, haste, uh, haste in the Bible doesn't always make waste. Haste doesn't always ruin somebody's day. You ever, you ever stop and think that some people, uh, they never seem to be in a hurry about anything? All, all you got to do is be in a hurry and you'll find out who's not in a hurry. <laughs> you get out of here on the road and, and you got to get someone, you got an appointment or a doctor appointment or whatever, you got to pick. And man, everyone's going 45. <laughs> Ain't nobody in a hurry, right? Uh, the, the world markets everything in a hurry, right? You know what they say? They say, buy now, test drive today. <laughs> Operators are standing by. And uh, all that marketing is just to get you to do something you would not normally do. That's what they taught us in ice cream school. Schwan School, your job as a salesman is to convince somebody to do something they wouldn't normally do. I'm like, well, would you like three bags or four? <laughs> right? That's how that thing works. But haste doesn't always make waste. Haste doesn't always produce pain and suffering. Amen? Here in 1 Samuel 25, haste rewrites history in a good way, and it's worth looking at. Not only that, but this haste comes also from a woman. Now, I need to grab a hold of this thing. Uh, even in our society of Bible believers, sometimes you women get a bad rap. Sometimes you earn it honestly, amen, but sometimes you don't. Haste comes from a woman that you'd never heard from unless she stepped out of the norm. Listen now, unless she'd have stepped out of the norm of her day, and I'll say it, I don't care what anybody thinks about it, and took the initiative. That woman, Abigail, could have stepped back and said, not my place. 
I'm not the man of the home. And you know what? She'd have been right. And she'd have been dead right. <laughs> See what I mean? But this woman, she had the urging of God on her, and she steps out of the norm. And with the help of God, rewrites history. Now notice, first of all, in 1 Samuel 25, that Abigail, she makes haste. Now look at this in verse 18. I want you to notice the first thing she does is she makes haste to give to her Lord. She makes haste to give to her Lord. Verse 18, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine. That's great juice, by the way. And five sheep ready dressed. Now, she didn't put clothes on the sheep. We're talking like, you know, parchment paper and all the rest of that stuff. You know, it wasn't like, you know, Bo Peep and all that. And five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. Isn't that interesting? She hasted to give to her Lord. You say, where does it say it's her Lord? Look at verse 24. And fell at his feet and said, upon me, my do you see that? She claims David as her Lord. She claims Nabal as her master. <laughs> yeah, notice that in the passage. She says, Nabal, my master. <laughs> but David's her Lord. Isn't that good? So she's, she, what's, she in, what's she in a hurry for? She's in a hurry to give something to the Lord. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good practical application of the passage? You say, what, what did she give? Well, she gave a gift and... Uh, uh, my wife was asking me last night, what are you looking at that at walmart.com for? I'm trying to figure out current value of all this stuff. And I come up with right around 10000 bucks. 10000 bucks. That's not including uh, the donkeys. And I don't know if you tried to buy a donkey lately. Uh, not the ones in Washington, amen, but, uh, uh, you know, a, a farm animal. They're pretty expensive, I imagine. But that's ten grand current money. Uh, and that's just like greatvalue.com, walmart.com, and uh, all the stuff I tried to run through the best I could. Parched corn, it was difficult because they don't sell parched corn, but uh, that, anyways, whatever. But the, the close I give is about 10000 bucks. So she gave bountifully, didn't she? She was in a hurry. She hasted to give to the Lord. I wonder if you and I are like that. That's a, a question I have to ask myself. Am I in a hurry to give to the Lord or to get for myself? That's something you ought to think about. Brand new year, why not think about it now, right? And you say, uh, you pressing for an offering? No, never ask for one. That's why I put the box in the back. You want to give one, help yourself. But it's right here in the passage. You might as well pass it. We might as well preach about it. It's right there. And what she does is she hasted to give the Lord. So she gave bountifully. That's, that's New Testament doctrine, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So you know what she wasn't? She wasn't a cheapskate. Now look, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you won't be a cheapskate either. Amen. I mean, she didn't like load up a bunch of uh, sheep jerky and send it off in a couple bags and go, you know, hope you're okay with that. Sorry, he, my master, he's having a bad day, you know. Here, have some Jack Links or something like that. No, she gave bountifully. She was in haste to give to her Lord. You know, you can't go wrong being a giver. You can't. You can't, be, go, you can't go wrong as a Christian given your time. Given your time. That seems to be a precious commodity the older I get. You don't, you don't have time. Uh, you can't go wrong given of your talent. You know, you can do things that other people can't. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> most of you can do a lot of things that I can't. And that's talent. You say, no, I'll learn. Okay, so you learned it, but you had the ability to learn it, and I don't. <laughs> 
Some of you have talent. It can never go wrong giving of your talent. And not only that, you know the other one is you can never go wrong giving of your treasure. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. You really think that everything you have is just so you can live a more comfortable life? I'm all about comfort. My idea of comfort is throwing a couple more logs on the fire and chilling out or roasting out or whatever it is. Amen? I'm all about having some comfort, but God did not give me what he gave me just so I could sit back and feed my own guts. He did it so I could be a blessing to somebody else, including him. And uh, now notice this. If you give to the Lord, you know what I know you'll do? You'll give through the local church. You say, why? That's his bank. Amen? You'll give through the local church first, and then I know this. If you give to the Lord, I know you'll give to other Christians when they need it. You know, if you give to the Lord and you're not a cheapskate with your giving, I know you're a good tipper. But if you're a cheapskate, you're a rotten tipper. <laughs> you can do what you want with that. That's, that's in the book of opinions, 5-5, five, five, amen? But if you don't give to the Lord like you should, you're a cheapskate when it comes to tipping. You say, why? Because you've got to hang on to it. Amen? Now listen, just because don't, don't go out of here and tip someone 100 bucks and that things that make you spiritual. Amen? But uh, if you don't think you should give to the local church, uh, then you, you're kind of stuck with Nabal syndrome. There's some people that are like that. Like, you ain't going to tell me what to do with my money. Okay. But notice what Nabal says. He says uh, in verse 11, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shears? You think he's a little bit possessive? You know what I know that fellow has a hard time doing? Giving. <laughs> because he thinks he owns everything. You know what I know? I don't even own the breath that I have right now. And the older I get, the less I realize uh, how much strength I really have. <laughs> the more fragile I feel I become. I wake up and... You think you're going to get up, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, ancient yet, but sometimes I get up, and like, I don't even have my balance like I used to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next part of the sermon will be by dad here. No. <laughs> but, you know, I'm saying you just, you're strong in your youth, but then all of a sudden, you know, you don't have the strength you had. I'm just saying, yeah, you ought to give it while you got it because you ain't always going to have it. Amen? I'm just saying she hasted to give to her Lord. <laughs> he said, Nabal says in verse 10, who's David? Why should I give to the local church? Who's David anyways, you know? <laughs> and who's the son of Jesse? He knew exactly who David was. I mean, he wasn't stupid. I mean, he is stupid, but he wasn't that stupid, right? Verse 11, I take my bread, my water, my flesh. Okay, it's all about you, pal, you know? <laughs> Nothing happens unless you're, uh, you know, you're authoring it. <laughs> Uh, notice this, uh, if the Lord took what you gave him last year and he multiplied it by 10, could you have lived the life that you lived? <laughs> or would you have to give some things up? That's fair, ain't it? Um, <clears throat> Martin Luther said, I've tried to keep things in my hand and lost them all, but what I've given into God's hands, I still possess. That's pretty good. I like this one, uh, after Abraham Lincoln became president before the days of civil service, office seekers besieged him everywhere trying to get appointments to various jobs throughout the country. Once he was confined to bed with typhoid fever, exasperated, Lincoln said 
declared to his secretary, bring on the office seekers. I now have something I can give everybody. <laughs> yeah. I notice, first of all, she hasted to give to her Lord. But notice this in verse 23. She hasted to worship her Lord. She hasted to worship her Lord. Verse 23, and when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. Boy, she was in a hurry to get on her face and worship her Lord. I'm sure you can see the type and picture there. She was in a hurry to give to the Lord. Boy, she was in a hurry to worship the Lord. I notice in her worship in verse 23, her attitude is humble. That's a great place to start. You know, some Christians say, I don't see no point in worshiping, you know. I don't think you make too much about, I don't think you can make enough about worship. Now, we're not talking about this charismatic, Pentecostal, charismaniac, crazy stuff, you know, and looking for a feeling and trying to work something up. And fro oh, I'm not talking about that. We're talking just about time when you get on your face or you just get alone with God. It's a little bit farther than just communion because you can commune with the Lord reading the book. You can commune with the Lord and pray. You ever just take time to literally worship Him as the creator of the universe? You ever tell Him that He... Thank you, Lord, for being holy. Thank you, Lord, for being the creator of the universe. Thank you, Lord, for being the spotless, sinless son of God, the darling son of God. Man, it's, you just get right down to brass tacks and worship God. It's, it, it's, it, it's weird because we're Japhethites, and Japhethites are stiff. Oh, farther down south, it loosens up a bit. But, but man, I'll tell you what, Japheth's so stuck on himself and the older brother, number one at everything, and nobody's better than me, and that's just, that's just wrong thinking. But in her worship, her attitude is humble. Verse 23, the Bible says, and bowed herself to the ground. I mean, she gets right on her face. Very humble. Notice this in her worship in verse 24. She takes, uh, she takes and holds herself responsible. Now, this is some gal here, uh, because some, some gals that are right with God, this would be the, the right time to rat out their husband <laughs> But she holds herself responsible. You see that? Verse 24, upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity. I can't understand that. You say, well, you don't love your family. Well, I do, but he clearly was the one in the wrong. And look what she's doing. She holds herself responsible. Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. But not only that, in verse 24, in her worship, she intercedes for her house. She intercedes for her house. She says in verse 24, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and, and hear the words of thine handmaid. She's like, I, I got something to say that's going to change your mind. Just, just give me a chance. Give me just, just, just a, a couple minutes here, David. I, I know you got your sword out, and it, it looks pretty sharp, and we already know what you can do with a sling, but I can't imagine what you can do with a sword. Amen? And... Uh, so here I see Abigail, he's, he, she's a type of Jesus Christ, or just a typical type only, in verse 24, that she steps in between David, the type of God, and Nabal, and man, as a media. That's 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. There's one God and one meteor, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself, so forth and so on. And now that, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You see that? And she steps right in because he's ready to wipe out the house of Nabal. That's a great picture of Jesus Christ. Even if it is a woman, it's not 100%, but it'll do on a pinch. And now that what we said in verse 28 to 30, Abigail is a type of the Holy Spirit. 
well going on. She's in a hurry to worship in a worship. You know what she is in verse 25? She's honest about the situation. Uh, she's not just blowing smoke. She just doesn't buy time so she can, you know, uh, pervade a bunch of soliloquies and try to tickle David's ears with, oh, what a wonderful guy you are, and so forth and so on. But she'll get into some of that in a minute. But she's honest about the situation. Verse 25 says, Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. That's a real kind way of saying, my husband's an idiot. That's what she's saying. But she's, she's doing it without malice. She's explaining the thing. She's like, you, it's like David, you know Hebrew, right? And Nabal means fool. <laughs> you know what his name, as he is, and so is his name. And uh, she says, look, I'm really sorry my husband's an idiot. Don't pay any attention to him. I'm here and I need to do some business with you. And she also says here, uh, she says, but I thine handmaid saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou did send. She's saying, look, if I'd have known you sent them young men, I'd have done things different. Now, gentlemen, you do things different than your wife will. And women are different than men, and men are different than women. I don't care what this country tries to do to make them the same. They never will be the same. And sometimes, men, you're so logical, it gets you and gets us in trouble. And here, this is a time and point where David's got his sword on, strapped on, he's strapped it on tight, and it's ready to go. And that woman steps in there and says, Okay, David, hear me out. <laughs> and that sweet spirit of Abigail, man, I'll tell you what, he's ready to go cut his head off. And, of course, uh, as the King James Bible says, you can read the, uh, the, the phrase he uses, indicate he, we're going to wipe everything out, anything that was going to... We against the wall, amen? Now, look at this thing here. In her worship, she's not only honest about her situation, but notice here in verse 28, she's concerned about her forgiveness. You see why she's such a good, such a good woman here? She knows it's not her fault, but you know what she's concerned about? She's concerned about her own relationship with David right now. She wants to be clean before that future king. And she says, verse 28, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. And about this time, don't you think the Holy Spirit uh, of God's going, ah, David, you know she didn't do anything wrong. Why would that woman say, do you, I, ladies, don't, well, whatever, you get upset. How many of you go around saying, uh, forgive me when you did, didn't do anything wrong? You see what I mean? That's got God written all over it. Because even Jesus Christ, when he was reviled, reviled not again. You see that? And in her worship, she's concerned with her forgiveness. And in verse 28, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaiden. So she does whatever it's necessary to make sure that she's right with David. So here's the question. Do you? When you spend time with the Lord, do you make sure that everything's right between you and him? You ought to be in a hurry about that. <laughs> Abigail hasted to worship her Lord. And in her worship, she's concerned with her own forgiveness. <laughs> Notice she begins with a gift in verse 18. <clears throat> she follows it up with grace and humility in verse 23. And finally, here in verse 28, she asks for forgiveness of the wrong she's taken upon herself. Man, I'm struggling to understand that. <laughs> Man, what a woman. What a woman. And finally, here in her worship, you know what she does? She honors David. 
she gets right to it. And David, of course, would type the beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. In verse 28, look at it. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. She was certain of the situation. Well, that's a complete uh, opposite of who is David and who is the son of Jesse. Why, you punk, you know exactly who David is. And here is this graceful woman in a hurry to give to the Lord, in a hurry to worship her Lord. It's like, the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. I know it's going to happen, even if that fella right there, <laughs> that I have his name, even if he don't know it. <laughs> I know it. In verse 28, she says, Because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. You know what that tells him? She's on the right side. She's on the right side. Amen. And she says she honors David with everything she says, the way she approaches him, the way she gives to him, the way she worships him. And here he says, uh, it says, look, you're on the right side, and I'm on your side, David. And notice here in verse 28, And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Now here she is on her face declaring the innocency of David. Now that's the kind of person you want to be around. Amen. I believe that's what the Lord desires in our worship. Someone to brag on him. When was the last time you just bragged on the Lord? You say, well, I brag on him when I, when I spend time with him. And when was the last time you bragged on him in public? Because you realize as you back out of that back end of that passage, she's not alone. She's around all the servants of David, and she's got servants of her own. Well, we've got to move on here. The, finally, the third thing here, and, uh, and we'll be done here. She hasted to give to the Lord. She hasted to worship the Lord. And here in verse 42, I notice she hasted to follow the Lord. She hasted to follow her Lord. Verse 42, and Abigail hasted. You see that? That thing over and over, and Abigail hasted. And Abigail made haste. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her, and she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. Amen? What a beautiful picture. The bride of Christ. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice here the attitude of her following is still submissiveness. The attitude of her father. Look at verse 41. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth. Now look, she didn't, she didn't say all she said so she could get into the kingdom. <laughs> this is who she is. This is who she was. The attitude of her following is submissive. Now notice this. The ability of her following was increased by her own servants. You say, what does that mean? Look at verse 42 with five damsels of hers that went after her. David got her and everything that belonged to her. You know what happens? When you follow the leader, you'll find others will follow you. You notice that? She follows David and she's got people following her. See, when you're following the right person, people will follow you. And finally here, uh, her only aspiration of her following is that of servitude. Look at verse 41. Her only aspiration of her following is that of servitude. And said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. You know what she has to be? She has to be a servant of servants. She said, Let me be the one that washes the feet of your servants, David. Boy, what an attitude to have. She intercedes for her house, and of course, you know the story later as it goes on, uh, 10 days after their little, you know, shindig party there, the Lord kills Nabal. 
I'm telling you what, in those days when you dropped dead, uh, the Lord killed you. <laughs> Amen? And, uh, and, and after all that, the, the servants of David show up, and it's all right, time to go. And she says, just, just let me be someone who washes your servant's feet. So as we come to a close in this passage here, i got to ask you, what's your hurry? <laughs> what's you in a hurry about? Uh, if you look here in uh, verse 34, as we close here, David's talking to Abigail, and, and he says, For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee. You see that? Except thou hadst hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. You see that? He recognized that God sent Abigail. And I'm telling you what, there are some things in this Christian life we should be in a hurry about. And I believe from the practical aspect, those three are great things to be in, in haste over. Be in haste to give what you got to the Lord. Be in haste to worship the Lord. And be in haste by any and all means to follow the Lord. And when you follow the leader, you know what happens? You'll find the Lord let some people follow you as long as you're following Christ. Well, there's a great Italian military hero from the 19th century. His name is Giuseppe Garibaldi, 1807 to 1882. And this great military hero, he raised an incredible committed volunteer army. Never heard before. His appeal for recruits was rather unique, as uh, these were the terms that he offered. He said, and I quote, I offer neither pay, nor quarters, nor provisions. I offer hunger, I offer thirst, forced marches, battle, and death. Let him who loves his country with his heart and not his lips only follow me. He was a great general in Italy's army. Helped Italy gain their independence. So I say tonight, let him who loves his Lord with his heart and not with his lips only follow Jesus Christ and to do so in haste. All right, Christian, what's your hurry tonight? Are you in haste about things that Abigail was? I think it's probably time for all of us to once again admit and be honest that we have an idiot for an old man, our flesh. His name's Nabal. He only cares about himself. And you notice in the passage, it's not until that old man was put down and we were able to lift up David, picture the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can then follow the Lord when we should and in the way we should. Amen? Abigail was in a haste to give to the Lord. Worship the Lord and the Father of the Lord. What a great lady. Nothing she did was done sitting on her hands. And you might have to wait for direction like David being in the wilderness, still doing your routine duty. But let me encourage you tonight to be in a hurry about something for the Lord. Amen. All right.